It's Wednesday night, and I'm teaching uh, always about a myriad, whatever that means. That's a word for thousand in the Greek. It's one of the words, but it actually means a great number of things. And uh, I'm teaching about about demons. There's no such thing as demons. Demons are self. And we prove that according to Scripture. I'm teaching about obeying God. Obeying God. And obedience to God, some people would call that legalism. Do we have to obey God? I guess we do. And if we don't, he'll beat us till we do. And we're talking about predestination. All of these have to do with each other. I heard, y'all know I don't like the charismatic doctrine. I heard without a doubt the most insane thing I have ever heard a charismatic say on radio the other day I was riding down the street. And Rick Warren, who wrote the book, Purpose Driven Life, was going off the air. And these were his words. I can't say them exactly, but I'll get them real close. said, God's love is everywhere. It's all over the world. God loves everybody. He said, if you are predestined to go to hell, God's love is there. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. He's the guy that wrote Purpose Driven Life, a bestseller that it was hot as a firecracker among the Pentecostals, Charismatics, Baptists, the whole works. He said... If you are predestined to go to hell, God's love is there. We are predestined. The only people that are predestined, prohorizo is the word predestinate. That's the word predestinate every time you find it. It comes from pro, which is our word pre. It means before. And horizo. There's no H's. There's the diacritical mark. It's a breathing sound. Horizo. H-O-R-I-Z-O. R-I-Z-O. Horizo is our word horizon. The Latin just added an end to it. How can you predestine or predetermine for somebody to have the horizon in hell? That is the stupidest thing I have ever heard a charismatic or Baptist or anybody say. It's dumb. It says God's love is in hell. He just, he's crazy. I was riding down the road again and I was listening to Charles Capps. Sometimes I like to listen to them and listen to the stupid things they're saying. Charles Capps is, uh, he's over in Arkansas. 
He's a charismatic, says without a doubt some of the dumbest things I've ever heard. He's dead. I'm glad he's dead. People say, you shouldn't be glad men are dead. I'm glad when a false teacher leaves this world and goes to hell. Do I believe Charles Capps went to heaven? I don't see how he could. He's always a guest on Kenneth Copeland's uh, Barn Grill <laughs> show. That's all those guys are. They're drunk. And this is what Charles Capps said. He said... You find a lot of lies in the Bible. I agree with that. It was a lie when the serpent said, Thou shalt not surely die when you eat of that tree. That was a lie. It was a lie when Jacob was trying to deceive his father, and his father said, Is that my son Esau? And Jacob said, Yes, father. Uh, This is your firstborn Esau. That was a lie. And he said, Because... Because uh, Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost, therefore, every time you find somebody lying, it's in the Bible. And so he used Job, if you don't look over at Job, and he used this, and he ignored a part of the book of Job. And every time I quote this, I quote it, and I tell people, look at this last verse. The last verse of Job, the first chapter. Satan comes to God and says, God says, have you considered my servant Job? How he escheweth evil, how he's the richest man of the East. And Satan says, ain't no wonder he's rich. You built a hedge about him. God says, that's right. And Satan says, let me curse him and let me bring all this devastation on him, and he'll curse you and die. And so we see that the Sabians come and slay all of his servants with the sword in verse 15. And one man escapes and says, he goes back to Job and says, I'm the only one escaped to tell thee. And then he says, while he was yet speaking, the fire of God was fallen from heaven. The fire came from God, not Satan, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I'm the only one escaped to tell thee. And then while he was talking, the Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and carried them away. And I'm the one, only one escaped to tell you. And then in verse 18, Job's seven sons and three daughters were eaten in the house with one of the sons, and winds came and blew the house down. And when winds blew the house down, killed his seven sons and three daughters, Job arose, rent his mantle, and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground, in verse 20, and worshipped God and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord hath the Lord hath gave given, and the Lord hath taken away. Well, Charles Kapp says Job was lying about God, and he was not telling the truth about God there. The problem is he didn't get to the next verse. The next verse says when Job said that He was telling the truth. 
the next verse says, he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Name is the word Shem. It means authority. Blessed be God's authority that killed my seven sons and three daughters. And then the next verse, Charles Capps didn't mention this. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly, doing something that he didn't do. The Bible itself says Job told the truth about God. Now, that's not the first time I've heard that. Benny Hinn says that. Uh, Fred Price says that. They say Job was lying about God. The Bible itself says Job did not sin when he said God did this. Kill my... Besides that, who owns all the winds? Who causes the wind? If you go over to the 37th chapter of Job, 37. When you're reading the first chapter of Job and the winds blow the house down where his sons and daughters are, if you read in the 37th chapter, At this also my heart trembleth and is moved out of his place. Hear attentively the noise of his voice and the sound that goeth out of his mouth. He directeth under the whole heavens his lightnings to the ends of the earth. The lightnings, Job says, belongs to God. They're his lightnings. And then in verse, let's read on down. After it a voice roareth, he thundereth with the voice of his excellency. He will not stay them when his voice is heard. God thundereth marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he which cannot be, cannot comprehend. We cannot comprehend. For he saith to the snow, he talks to the snow, be on the earth. And people will say, yes, but it takes a certain amount of condensation and it takes a, a, a certain temperature. That's what God says to the weather. Temperature drop to this. Uh, the condensation do this. Barometric pressure do that. And it snows. God speaks this into existence. Likewise, to the small rain and to the great rain of his strength, the rains all belong to God. The floods, when it floods across America, that's God's flood. He sealeth up the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. Then the beasts go into their dens and remain in their places. The idea is until God calls them out of their dens. Out of the south cometh the whirlwind, and cold out of the north. God is saying, these belong to me. By the breath of God, frost is given. The word is ice. It doesn't mean frost or out here on a... The word is Q-E-R-N-E-H. Q-E-R-N-E-H. It means ice. Frost is given, and the breath of waters is straightened. By the watering he weareth the thick cloud, he scattereth his bright cloud, and it is turned around by his counsels. 
the clouds, the rain, the snow, the lightning all belongs to God, the thunder, that they may do whatsoever he commandeth them upon the face of the world in the earth. He causeth it to come, whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. The Bible is saying here, all these storms, the great wind is mine, the the small winds are mine. And then he says in verse 19, teach us what we should say unto him, for we cannot order our speech by reason of darkness in our minds. We don't know what to say. So God is doing everything. He says over here in the 38th chapter, Verse 35, Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are, where shall we strike? The weather is God's weather. It's not nature's weather. It's God's storms and winds. So when you go back over here and you look at the wind blowing down Job's house and killing his children, that's God's wind. You can't get around that. And it says, in all this, when you read, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, blessed be the authority that did this, he said. It's God's name, his authority. And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. But God says that twice in chapter 1 and 2. And all this Job sinned not. When you get into the second chapter, Satan goes before God and says, Skin for skin, there in verse 4. Yea, all a man that he hath will he give for his life to save his own skin. So God says, okay, I forbid you to hit him with any disease or kill him. In the first chapter, you can touch his body, but you cannot touch his life. So Satan, with the permission of God and with his will, strikes Job from head to foot with some kind of bulls that's going to kill him if something doesn't happen. And his wife comes out, and she knows who did this. Verse 9, chapter 2. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. She's saying, We know that God did this. Why don't you curse God and die? But he said unto his wife, You speak like one of the foolish women speaks. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not also receive evil from God? And then he makes that same statement that he made in verse 22 of the first chapter. And all this did not Job sin with his lips. That's the Bible talking there. And that's the Bible talking in verse 22. It goes from Job's lips to God's lips. He didn't charge God foolishly with something he didn't do. I was in down here at Publix Grocery Store the other day, and a woman walked up to me, and I had this T-shirt on. I wear these all the time. And I, two things happened that day. This woman walked up. She's in her mid-late 60s. And I had Joel Osteen's 
Jesus. And the S's are dollar signs. And she walked up and said, well, you're doing a good job. Uh, uh, just keep on saying those things. I could tell you more about this. And she acted like she wanted to instruct me. I said, well, I'm a Bible teacher. I teach the Greek. Here, take this DVD. And it was about the charismatic movement. She said, oh, I don't need that. I said, yes, you do. Take it. I said, you'll learn something from it. Then I went on over here to Panera Bread. And I went in to get me a sandwich. And I had on I had on a different shirt. It was another day. I had on the shirt that says Kenneth Copeland's Jesus. Kenneth Copeland's Jesus. And I made the S's dollar signs. I don't like those people. They steal from the poor. On the back of the shirt, it had, this was very interesting because I had many false teachers uh, shall, shall arise. And I had Joel Osteen. First of all, I had many, many false teachers shall arise. I had Billy Graham. And I had Joel Osteen. These are false teachers. And I had T.D. Jakes. I had uh, Kenneth Copeland. And I had, on the bottom of it, I had uh, T.D. Jakes. And the guy that was waiting on me, he ordered for me, took my money, and I turned around to walk over to where you pick up the sandwiches. And, uh, of course, I had in many more. And he walked over there to me about 30 feet and said, are you going to classify Billy Graham with those other people? I said, absolutely. I said, he didn't tell the truth. He said, he didn't. I said, no. I said, he taught accept Christ, accept Christ as your personal Savior. I said, not only is that not in the Bible, I said, the Bible says it's not true. And I said, the Bible says the natural man. Now, I'm talking real gentle because I don't have to talk real loud. He was listening to me. There wasn't hardly anybody in there, and he was listening. So I said the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. I said the natural the Sukikos, P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S. I spell it out for him. P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S. I said, that's our word physical. It means the sensual man, this fleshly man. I told him all of this. The sensual, I can't even spell. S-E-N. 
S-U-A-L. I said, that means the man of the senses that can smell, taste, touch. And I'm telling him all these verses. And I said, does not receive. The word receive is decomai. I said, when you're dead in your sin, Billy Graham taught you could accept Christ as your personal Savior. This was conversion way to be converted was by letting Christ come into your life. I said, you're dead in your sin. Dekomai comes from the word dek. I said, that's the word ten in the Greek. You need to learn these words so you can say them to people. And I went through the whole thing. I said, that means to reach out the ten fingers. Dekomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been presented. The Bible says... Men who are dead in their sin cannot accept Christ. I said that frustrated me as a kid more than anything my father preached. And my father preached just like Billy Graham. And I said, besides that, he preached a sinner's prayer for salvation. That's what he preached. Sinner's prayer. Now, I don't know how you can accept Christ and pray a sinner's prayer at the same time. And the Bible says, a man who's dead in his sin cannot pray. I said, let me quote the verse that the preachers quote, just in case you've heard him say it. Romans ten thirteen: for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I said, that's true. But read the next verse. That's not the method of salvation. I said, uh, 10.14 says, Romans 10.14 says, How shall they call on him and whom they've not believed? And at that point, he said, Believe. That's the method of going to heaven. I said, That's right. Believe. And I said, Believe is the verb. Faith is the noun. We're saved by grace through faith. Paul, And I told him. Gosh, I don't know how I told him all this, but I remember telling him. I said, Paul told the Philippian jailer in Acts 16, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But I said, you can't pray until you are believing. That was the, that was my confusion growing up. My father would stand up there as an old country independent Baptist preacher and say, if you don't know tonight, this may be your last chance. Have y'all ever heard that? And I would run down the aisle. I had to grow up. I had to study the Bible, study the Greek to find out that you can't pray a sinner's prayer when you're dead in sin and you cannot accept Christ. And I told this guy, I said, all the preachers in America are preaching that, aren't they? All the independent Baptists are preaching it. All the Southern Baptists are preaching it. All the Pentecostals are preaching it. And they teach how to evangelize like that. Yeah, and that they teach how to evangelize people, go meet somebody out in public, twist their arm up behind their back and say, repeat after me. I was unbelievably frustrated. I just was beside myself at 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. I didn't know what to do. And I kept walking the aisle. My father dipped me in water about... Seven or eight times. I know he hated to see me coming again because he kept saying, if you don't know tonight, 
You're not supposed to know when you're a baby. I had to grow up. Y'all have heard me say this. I had to grow up, study the Bible, get into the Greek later in my life, and study these words, and I found out my father was lying to me and everybody else, just like Billy Graham. I remember the first time we, I saw Billy Graham was in Fort Worth about 1951. He came out to the Coliseum. It was packed. He was preaching to 100,000 people in stadiums back then. He drew more people than all these guys put together. And he was lying. And that was frustrating to me because I had to grow up, study, and come to the realization that I was praying to God at seven and eight years old. I'd stand and look at the sky in the summer. I remember one night in a summer in the summer I was standing outside this church. I was looking up at the sky. The preacher preached on hell. And I was saying, Jesus, I want to come to be with you someday. I wouldn't have been calling on him if I wasn't a believer. That's the point. How you know that you're believing if you're really truly bowing to the will of God and you're praying to him, bowing to his will, that's proof of your salvation. I had to grow up and I had all these times where I'd walk down the aisle. I had to throw them out. I had dates and times. You're too young to know what's happening when you're young. Anyway, I, I walked across the restaurant. He come over uh, after, after I talked to him. I saw him. He walked back to behind the counter. who worked behind the cash register I walked over to him I said let me ask you a question who is the most popular preacher that has ever lived in the last 2,000 years I said isn't it Billy Graham and he said yeah I think you're right I said let me tell you what the Bible says about a man like that there in Luke the 6th chapter woe unto you verse 26 Woe unto you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. I said all the world liked Billy Graham. Everybody. The Pope liked him. The Dalai Lama liked him. All the presidents liked him. He was the most popular man walking. He had been on the top of the popularity polls every year since he started in 1948. And I said, if you're friends with the world, James 4 and 4 says, you're an enemy of God. And I said, here, take this and watch it. He said, I will. I preached a message to him when he asked me about Billy Graham. Why is Billy Graham on your shirt? I, he, he asked me one point. Well, didn't Jesus die for everybody? I said, no, he did not. Let's turn over there to Ephesians. Ephesians. I just had a real good day that day of witnessing to people. I don't beat them up. I just tell them the truth in a real gentle voice, but firm. Look here in Ephesians 5, 25. 
Here's what it here's what the Bible says about who Jesus died for. Ephesians five and verse twenty five. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself, it says, for it. It is a bad translation. Half the translators are Roman Catholic. That word it is the word A-U-T-Ada. The Ada on the end of a word right here is always feminine gender. That word Ada is her. Jesus died for his wife no one else. That's why you hear me say people don't like the cross of any kind. You cannot preach that Jesus died on the cross for everybody in the world. He did not. He died for his wife. If you preach the cross of Christ, the wooden cross, you have to preach it that he died for his elect few. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And only a few will find this. It's not many, not compared to the number that's in the world. Now, he died for his people. Luke 19 and 10 says, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Was is past tense, and he he has a family. They were lost until he come into the world. Now they're no longer lost. I love the verse over there in the first chapter of Matthew. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. His is a possessive pronoun. He owned them before he saved them. They belonged to him. He came to save his people, not the devil's children. And the devil has children over there when Jesus said, your father is the devil. He told him in John 8, the works of your father you will do. You get to John 10. I like these possessive pronouns. They show who Jesus is saving. The Pharisees come to Jesus in John 10, one of my favorite set of verses. It's about the good shepherd giving his life for the sheep. And in John, the 10th chapter, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say to him, you see, they don't belong to Jesus, these arrogant Pharisees. In verse 24 of John 10, Then came the Jews round about him and said unto Jesus, How long are you going to make us to doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. That word plainly, plainly, is the word parhesia. P-A-R-R-H-E-S-I-A. P-A-R-R-H-E-S-I-A. That's the word plainly. It's the same word 
In 2 Corinthians 3 and 12, seeing we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Plainly means blunt. Parhesia means blunt. To the point. They said, why don't you be pointed with us? And he said, I've already been pointed with you. Don't you understand? And Jesus said, answered them, I told you. Look over here in John 8. We'll come back to that. In John 8, he's talking to them. Verse 47, he was talking to the Pharisees when he said, He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not because you're not of God. You can hear. Remember, hear and obey. Hear is the word akuo. And obey is a form of hear. It's the word hoop. A-K-O-U-O. Hoop means under, and it means to be subordinate, to be subordinate or hear under and listen to your master. It means subordinate. He said, you don't hear because you don't belong to me. What he's saying to them in these verses, get away from me. You're not mine. You don't believe me. You can't obey me. Get away. He was running them off. He wasn't saying, won't you come and accept me as your personal Savior? Won't you pray this prayer? He didn't want them doing anything like that. Back to John 10. Jesus said, I told you. You don't get it, do you? That's why I tell people here, God's people were chosen from the foundation of the world. Don't try to argue with somebody about the truth being the truth. Walk away from them. It doesn't matter if you're right in the middle of a conversation. Once they say, well, I don't believe that. Say, you don't believe God then. Excuse me, I have somewhere else to go. Walk off from them. Don't argue with them. Then he said, I told you, and you believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. But here's why you don't believe in verse 26. Ye believe not because you're not sheep. You're goats. Sheep are sheep, goats are goats, and never the twain shall meet. They're not the same. Salvation is not where God comes down like an old Bugs Bunny cartoon, goes poof and changes somebody from a goat to a sheep. There's an old there's an old uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon. Bugs Bunny's in this haunted house, and... And this little bitty man, it looks something like uh, Elmer Fudd, but he's just a little bitty man walking behind bugs, and all of a sudden he goes, poof, he turns into a monster. You ever see that cartoon? People think that's what salvation is. God goes, poof, you're a goat now, you're a sheep. No, that doesn't happen. Sheep have been sheep from the foundation of the world. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to find all of my sheep, and they will all come to me. All that the Father giveth me, John six thirty seven, shall come to me. 
If you're really wanting to come to Christ, that's proof that you belong to him. If you want to come his way, if you want to be a church member, then you're not then you're not coming his way. So he said, But you believe not because you're not of my sheep. As I said, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. He didn't mean they get behind me and go to some church. Follow Every time you find it is the word A-K-O-U-L-A-T-H-E-O. Akulatheo means to, this is what you do when you're following Christ, to be in the same way with. There's two ways in the Bible. There is a narrow way and a broad way. And a broad way. A narrow way. Narrow is the word Thalebo. You have to be going through the Thalebo way to go to heaven when you die. Thalebo is a form of the word thelipsis. Thelipsis is the noun. Thelibo is the verb. Narrow doesn't sound like a verb, but it means to squeeze and being pressed on all sides. Thelibo, thelipsis, every time you find it, it's the word tribulation. So this is the tribulation way. And the Pharisees don't want to go in that narrow tribulation way. That's the verse that Paul used every time he would talk about tribulation. We must do much tribulation into the kingdom of God. This is the same word. I got to put it in here. So if anybody's watching, I don't like the charismatic movement. They twist and pervert the word of God. I was talking to somebody the other day. Oh, I was talking to a guy over here at the marketplace on uh, Saturday. They have the market out there at Indian Lake. You go to Indian Lake Road out there on the right. And I was talking to him, and I knew his wife, and I gave him a DVD. And I told him, this is a, this is a favorite thing I like to talk to people about. I won't just start giving somebody a hard time, but I'll say, I will say something like this. The charismatics are twisting God's word. Take that verse in 3 John 2. And I started telling this fellow this. I said, 3 John 2. John says to guys, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. I said, that word prosper is not our word prosper, and that word health is not our word health. And he said, but but people don't know these words. I said, that's not going to keep me from telling the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. And I said, that word prosper is the word, I just said the word euhodos. It's actually the word Euodao, which is a construction of you and Hodos, E-U-O-D-O-O. 
Yudao comes from you and hodos. You means well. I'm telling this guy this. And hodos is the common Greek word for way. And I said there's two ways, a broad way and a narrow way. And prosper means the better of two ways. And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the hodos. And I said, prosper has nothing to do with money. And health is the word hugiano, H-U-G-I-A-I-N-O. And I said, hugiano is the same word that Paul would use when he would speak of sound doctrine. It means uncorrupt words. If you learn, just learn this right here and tell it to somebody. You got more than most people out there in the world will have. I just, he said, but he looked kind of frustrated. He said, but, but, but most people don't know these words. I said, that doesn't keep what they're saying from being a lie. It's not true. I don't know what he's going to do with this. When people take God's word and twist it and pervert it, I just, I don't, I don't like the charismatic movement. This one lady I told you about down here, I saw at the grocery store. After I told her that Joel Osteen was lying, she said, we need to pray for him. I said, we need to rebuke him for his sin. I just didn't let her get by with saying, you need to pray for him. No, I don't believe Joel Osteen is a believer. I don't believe he'll ever be a believer. One thing God does not do, he will not let you lie about him for 30 or 40 years and then convert you and take you to heaven. One thing God will not do, he won't save liars. He'll save a murderer like Paul when he was killing Christians for a living. And he would save... David, who killed, murdered Uriah the Hittite and committed adultery with his wife, Bathsheba, he'll save that. But one thing God hates more than anything else is a man that will take his word, rich it and, and twist it because he's a liar. If you'll just learn Yuhodos and Hugiano, you can tell this to people out in public they won't know what to do. People say, how do I know what to do? Learn Matthew 7, 13, 14. And learn 3 John 2. And learn these words right here. And you can tell them to people you learn Matthew seven thirteen fourteen straight is the gate and there is the way that leads to eternal life and only a few find it. When somebody writes to me and they say, are you saying that only a few? I didn't say that. You act like I said that. Jesus said that. He's the one that said, fear not little flock. It's the God, God Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You act like I made it up. Yeah. Because you're the only one saying it. Yeah, like I'm, because I'm the only guy that's saying this stuff. This is a hard. I told that guy over there at Panera. I said, 
They're preaching the easy Jesus. They're preaching another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. And I said, that's not what Paul preached. I said, he's the one that said this. He said, we're in the apostasy. I said, that's it right there. I said, the apostasy is is alive and well in the world. I didn't explain apostasy, apostasis means a removal of standing upright, a removal of the daily cross. You don't hear people, I told the guy, I said, you don't hear people talking about daily cross, death to self, self-denial, and being hated by the world, do you? You have to be hated. Jesus said that. I didn't say that. He said, bless you, you when men shall reproach you, reproach Aniedzo, learn this. Tell people, O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O. If you will learn this, this, and this, you'll have more than you'll know what to talk to people about. Reproach is the word Aniedzo, and you're blessed when you're reproached. Aniedzo means infamous. Everybody wants to be famous. You know what famous is. Famous is everybody liking you. Famous. Famous is everybody wanting to be around you. Infamous is reproach. Boy, that's not a popular thing because if you're going to be a real good real estate agent and a real good car salesman and a real good insurance agent, you have to have a lot of clientele that likes you. You know that? Jim, what am I going to do? I don't know. Take you across and die daily, I guess. That's, I don't have any easy answers for believers. You do a good job. Work hard on your job. Be an example to everybody what a Christian is supposed to be. Don't beat people up, but tell them the truth. Be real firm with them. Don't give them a hard time. Find something you can say. Let me tell you what you can say better than anything else. You can tell people what the real truth is. It's a daily cross. It's self-denial. Did you know you can't deny self-denial? You can't deny a daily cross. You may deny predestination. You may deny Christmas being pagan, even though that's true. I have never mentioned death to self, daily cross, and self-denial where somebody wanted to argue with it. They didn't want to hear it. They just, whoa, whoa, whoa. They'll mumble and walk away. If you tell people they have to be hated by the world, that Jesus said so in John 15. John, the 15th chapter, starting in verse 18. Jesus said, if the world hated me, it will hate you. Get these. This would be in Luke 6, 22. Bless ye when men shall hate you, when they reproach you. When they cast out your name as evil, they separate from your company. For the Son of Man's sake, rejoice and leave for joy. 6, 22 and 23. And, and memorize Matthew seven thirteen and 14. 
Straight is the gate, and now is the way that leads to eternal life, and only a few will find it. And memorize John 15, starting in verse 18, if the world hate me, it'll hate you. If it persecuted me, it will persecute you. And tell people you have to be persecuted and hated to be a true Christian because you're going to tell them that there's a narrow way and that's the prosperity of God and they're not supposed to be in the... And I could get to the gospel from the narrow way. The beginning of the gospel is preparing you the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Gospel. That's in Mark. Mark 1, 1 through 3. And that's also, and that's the beginning of the gospel. And that's also the gospel. Prepare you the way. You want to know what verses to use witnessing to people? This, 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 this. Just get those down, nothing else. I'm not going to tell you to memorize all this stuff I've got memorized. It's going to take you years to do that. Just get these right here. Matthew 7, 13, 14, straight is the gate, narrow is the way. Few will find it. And broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many go in there and say, do you want to be with the many? Or I got to thinking the other night. If you don't believe in predestination, I never thought of this before. When it's all over, if numbers makes you the winner, then God's going to be the loser because he only wants few. You understand what I'm saying? If it's in the numbers, then God's not going to win. Satan's going to win the long run, take more people to hell, than gets to go to heaven. But God don't want those because those are goats. They're not sheep. He's going to save his sheep, his wife, his bride. So if you learn these and you look at John 15, starting in verse 18, he, said, he says, if they hated me, they'll hate you. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. He's talking to us. So if you memorize just open up your Bible, look at John 15, 18, 3 John 2, Mark 1 through 3. That would be the same thing as Luke 3, 1 through 3. Because over here, the Bible says the gospel is prepare you the way, prepare you the hodos, that's the gospel. Hodos is narrow. Narrow. And then Luke 3 and Luke 3 and 3 says that the baptism, the baptism is preparing the way. So baptism is blood. It's the same thing as the gospel over here in Mark 1 through 3. So if you'll get these verses down. Can you do that much? Just put these down and go and memorize them and you'll have somebody to talk to. You'll have something to say to people when you get these 
down and get those Greek words, get euhodos, you well, hodos way, hugiano, sound, uncorrupt words, you'll learn. You have to learn these things one verse at a time. Now, I felt like I had this ragweed is doing a number on me. Is anybody else allergic to ragweed? Boy, it is something else. It's real, real strong. That's one of my strongest allergies. All right. Now, where was I going? All of this was done before the foundation of the world. Look over here. I want you to learn that God has got his people picked out, and you can't convince somebody that don't want to hear. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord made even both of them. Proverbs 20 and 12. Here's another verse. You can put this with your list. Proverbs 20, verse 12. The hearing ear. And the thing is, Proverbs 20 and 12. 20 and 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. Hearing ear and the seeing eye. If you can hear these truths, here is the word Shema in the Old Testament, and obey in the Old Testament is the word Shema. Hear and obey the same word. So if you can hear, you will obey God. And you'll begin to witness. You don't have to beat people up. I don't beat anybody up. I like it when people are around and they can hear me talking to people. I don't insist on anything from them. I find some some common ground with them. The only common ground I can find is David Cross death to self, self-denial. Let me tell you what you do. I'll give you another verse. <laughs> now, I quote these all the time. Uh, I was out here, me and Mary were out buying some flowers about seven or eight years ago out at a uh, garden center out in Jolton. We'd go out there every year. And the guys were loading my pickup truck. And I said, you guys ever see that guy on TV? I said it just like this. I said, he's got a chalkboard and he writes all these Greek words on the board. And one of them said, I think I've seen him. I said, well, that's me. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, "Uh, the Bible says in uh, Luke the 14th chapter verse 27 he that beareth not his cross and followeth after me cannot be my disciple 
I said, you can't be a follower of Christ without a daily cross. And I looked at him and I said, do y'all know what a daily cross is? I said it just like that. And both of them went. I said, evidently you don't know where to get one, do you? And they went, shook their head no. So I began to tell them you had to be condemned to a daily cross. If you will tell somebody that, ask them if they know where to get one. Where they get it is the same place you're, where you're coming from because you get a daily cross by telling people the truth. That's where it comes from. And they crucify you. Let me put it this way. They crucify you to death. They don't literally kill you because death doesn't mean separation it's the word thanatos. Yeah, it doesn't mean annihilation. It means separation. Thanatos. It doesn't mean to be annihilated. It means to be separated. When you die, your spirit is separated from the body. It means separation. So I tell them, you'll get a daily cross by talking to people like I'm talking to you. And I said, people get to where they want to separate from you. I never heard from them again. They looked. That makes somebody very meek when you tell them. You quote a verse to them and tell them, you have to have a daily cross in order to follow Christ. Tell that to people, and they don't know what to do with that. Try to talk to them about predestination. So I don't believe, I don't believe that. They're not going to listen to you explain it. But they won't argue with the daily cross and self-denial. Especially if you quote one of those verses. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, all of these things have been done from the beginning. God knew his family I don't know how he knew us. He knew us in his mind. And he's going to have us to be birthed with the spirit and the soul that I have in me. So I could be the man that I am. And how he did that. He had to orchestrate every sexual act for the last 2,000 years in order for me to be who I am. And who you are. So all of this has already been done from the foundation of the world. Look over here in Revelation 13, verse 8. You can write these down, and if you want to take time to learn them, I'm going to quote them so many times, most of you could quote them with me. You just don't know where they are. <laughs> I, people, I know it's in the Bible and I can quote it but I don't know what verse it is well the main thing just say the Bible says yeah, that's what I say <laughs> if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me look over in Revelation you need to know that these things were all before the world began Revelation 13 All right. Verse 8, I believe it is. Revelation 13. 
if you write them down and look at it, get your little get your little card to carry in your hand and look at it once in a while, the little cheating card, cheat sheet. And verse eight, Revelation thirteen eight, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He was slain in the mind of God. But when he was slain, who was he slain for? If it was before the foundation of the world, he was only slain for his wife that we quoted earlier. He wasn't... He didn't die for everybody. He died for his wife. If he died for everybody, then that means everybody has to go to heaven. The man in hell is being separated. Remember the word death? He's been separated for his own sin because he never belonged to God. Now look over here in Revelation 17. Revelation 17, verse 10. Oops, not verse 10. Verse 8, The beast that thou sawest was and is not. The beast was the world ruling system. And shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. So those of us who believe God, our names are written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. That's what this is saying. Now, look here in Hebrews. I'm just going to give you a bunch of these. Hebrews. When you're talking about foundation... foundation of the world are from the beginning we're going to look at some of those verses about from the beginning look in Hebrews 4 let me look at this Hebrews 4 and verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now look here, look here in Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9 and verse 26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. Christ has suffered in the mind of God before the world began. Look here at 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1 and verse 20. Speaking of Christ, 
who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Christ was manifest, but he was ordained from the foundation of the world. Now, let's look at some of the things. Uh, Look here in John 8. This is from the beginning. John 8. If you memorize some of these things, write them down. I'll tell you what you do. Write them down and put them in your Bible on a piece of paper so you can constantly look at them. John 8, Jesus is confronting the Pharisees. He tells them their father's the devil. John 8 and verse 44. Speaking to the Pharisees, this is in red letters in a red letter Bible. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your fathers you will do. He's not saying, unless you accept me as your Savior. This is what you will do, because your father's the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. When you called someone's father a murderer or a thief, it was the same thing as calling them that during this day and time and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him when he speaketh a lie he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of this and he was all this from the beginning it says earlier in that verse look at Acts 15 look at Acts 15 15 verse 18 known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world what has he done from the beginning everything in John in Ecclesiastes 3:14 I know that whatsoever God doeth it shall be forever forever Olam means it always has been and it always will be. It doesn't mean from now on. It means it always has been. It always will be because it's been in the mind of God from eternity to forever. And a favorite verse is Isaiah 46 and 10. Look, let's go over there and look at that. Isaiah. I think sometimes you just need a lot of these verses that you can use when you're talking to people. Isaiah 46, and this is God. 46 and 10. Look at verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, There is none else. I am God. There is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. God has declared the end of time and everything that's going to be done from the beginning. And then he says, And the things that are not yet done, everything that's not done, what is not done tomorrow? You going to work? Yeah. You getting a ticket? Yeah, maybe. 
If you get one, it'll be the will of God. Uh, a, a parent dying, that'll be the will of God. God's declared that. You're getting a job, you're getting fired from a job. That's the will of God. He's declared, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all the things that I'm pleased to do. Please comes from the word pleasure. I'll do everything. I'm going to call a ravenous bird from the east. This is talking about Nebuchadnezzar, because Isaiah and Jeremiah, or this is actually talking about the Assyrian kings that come in and carry northern Israel away, and they come from the east. The man that executeth my counsel from a far country, I have spoken it. That word spoken, dabar, means a commandment of God. It means to arrange. I have arranged it, and nobody can change it. It means to arrange. I have, I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I'll do it. The Assyrian kings are going to come in and slaughter northern Israel and carry them away into captivity. And look over here in Psalms 33. What does the Bible say, God? When he does something, what does he do? Look here what it says he does. Psalms 33 33 and verse 4. You don't have to remember all these, but those that I put on the board earlier, I think those are really good witnessing verses, memorizing the verbs, uh, the verses, their definition. 33. And it says here in Psalms 33 and 4, For the word of the Lord is right, and his works are done in truth. That means everything he's doing. Little kids dying, yes. And these people that get a rifle and shoot into a crowd and kill people, that's God that put that in their heart. And most people don't like that part. God said, I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Nothing is out of God's control. The only amount of evil that Satan can do is the amount that God ordains him to do. That's all he could do to Job's house was what God ordained. And he said, stop, don't. It's like, it's like over there in Second Samuel, the 24th chapter. Look at that real quick. Second Samuel. 24. I like this. This really twenty-four. David has numbered Israel. He has he's taking credit because he's got a million eight hundred thousand soldiers in his army. There was a time he only had 400 when he was running from Saul and God would intervene for his life. So David has gotten proud in his old age saying, I'm going to number Israel in verse 1 of chapter 24 
And again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And God moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah and take credit for it. Now, you're not going to find all the answers in this, but you'll find it over in uh, in First Chronicles. So David numbers Israel, and God gets angry at David for numbing Israel. Even and he, though he moved them to do it. Huh? He's angry at them even though he moved David. That's right. Because David was taking credit by naming naming all of his mighty men in the 23rd chapter. And David at one point when he was fleeing Saul only had 400 men. But in First Chronicles it will tell you that, that he has a million eight hundred thousand. He's taking credit for it here. But God moves him to number Israel. And he sends a prophet, Gad, here in verse 13. So Gad came to David and told him, and said unto him, Okay, David, God's going to punish you with one of these three judges, the sword, the famine, or the pestilence. So Gad came to David and told him and said unto him, Shall seven years of famine come upon thee in the land? That would be famine. Or will you flee three months before your enemies? That's going to be the sword. While they pursue thee, or that there be three days pestilence. That's the pestilence. That's the third judgment. And this will come from God. It'll either be your enemies, or seven years of famine, or three days pestilence in the land. Now advise, David, which one of these judgments do you want? Two. And see what answer I will return to him. I'll return the answer that you give me to God. And David said unto Gad, the prophet, I am in a strait. Boy, I guess so. I'm just strapped for an answer. Let us fall now in the hand of the Lord, that third one, pestilence. For his mercies are great, and let me not fall into the hand of my enemies. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning to the time appointed, and there died of the people from Dan, the most northern city, to Beersheba, the most southern city, 70,000 men. God killed 70,000 innocent people. And when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord repented him. Don't mean he started crying. Repented means he turned himself from the evil he was doing and said to the death angel, that's enough. I've killed enough people. And said to the angel that destroyed the people, it's enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. And David was repentant. He says in verse 17, David spake unto the Lord, 
when he saw the angel that smoked the people. I'm sure that was Michael, the death angel. And said, Lo, I have sinned, I have done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? God killed 70,000 of them. Now, so that was the purpose of God, wasn't it? And that was good. Go back, let's look at the beginning. From the beginning, look at Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. This has been a favorite verse of mine for, gosh, I was 20, about 23 years old when I first memorized this. I was working in a, on an assembly line in Fort Worth, Texas, about 1962. And a guy walked by me and said, Hey, preacher. I was known as a preacher back then, even though I was about 23. He said, read me a verse out of the Bible. So I flipped over to 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. And I began to read this verse to him. Didn't even comment. But I started reading. But we are bound to give thanks always to God. For you, brethren... Beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. When I got to that point, this guy's name was Joe. He said, the Bible don't say that. Just jump back. And I had a little New Testament. I said, here, you read it. 2.13. And I was just a kid back then. But he hath chosen you to salvation. There's a method of his choosing us through sanctification of the Spirit and believing the truth. Sanctification. The Spirit has to set us apart. Sanctification is the word hagiosmos. H-A-G-I-A-S-M-O-S. It means to set apart. H-A-G-I-A-S-M-O-S. It's a form of hagios. Hagios is the word holy. It means single or pure. The way you become single or one, you have to go through the fire. Think it not strange concerning the fire trial which is to try you as though some strange thing. X-E-N-O-S is the word strange. It means an occasional guest. That's a stranger. The fire is not occasional. That's how God's going to sanctify all those that he's chosen before the foundation of the world. And God says, I scourge every son that I receive. That word receive is the word dekomai, a word we used earlier. Dekomai, that's in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And he scourges every son he receives. Dekomai. The natural man does not receive spiritual things. 
God has to birth us by his will of his own will beget he us and he has to receive us we cannot accept him decomai comes from deck the word 10 in the Greek a decade is 10 years so he has to reach out his 10 fingers and accept us and he scourges every son he receives that we might be partaker of his holiness hagiosmos same basic word as sanctify and he has to make us holy with a scourge with a mastix m-a-s-t-i-x and that is a bloody beating it comes from mastigao and mastigao was a little short whip with leather thongs on it and it had pieces of glass and bone and God says I beat my children within an inch of their life and that's what he does to us to get our attention and through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth that word belief is the same word as faith pistis that's a noun belief is a noun and believe is the verb so belief is not only pistis but faith is pistis since they're both nouns and believe is the verb it's pistuo p-i-s-t-e-u-o so through believing the truth and how much have we talked about belief and faith you have to have faith to go to heaven but you don't have any faith because none seeks after God. God has to put that in our hearts. Boy, if you really read all these verses, you wouldn't have any doubt about these things, would you? Let me give you another. Since the world began, always think of the words beginning, if you're going to look it up in your concordance, think of from the beginning. Look up begun. Because you're going to have a lot of verses in there since the world began or begun. Beginning. Look up begun. Look up foundation. From the foundation of the world. These will go together in your study of from the beginning. Look over here in Romans 16. How much time do I have, Mike? Go here, Romans 16. You've got this all over your Bible, Romans 16. And you you got it under other words. Look here in Romans 16. Verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you. You don't establish yourself. He does the establishing. Sterezo. S-T-E-R-I-Z-O. Establish. S-T-E-R-I-Z-O is the word establish. It's a form of the word 
stereo. Stereo is over there in Hebrews, the fifth chapter. That strong meat, this is the word strong. It means beefsteak. Stereo. Strong meat belongeth those to her full age. You have to grow up and be established. This word sterizo means to be established. Have your feet firmly planted. So he is the one that establishes us. We can't establish ourselves. What if I said establish? You can't establish yourself when you don't see God. Do you realize how many of these words have the sovereignty of God written in them? Everything you can go to. In fact, from this word sterizo means to set fast, to be resolute, or confirm. God has to confirm us in his word. If we're just sinners and there's nothing good in us and we don't seek God, how do we get established? We don't do it. He does it. He picks out who he wants to. He's got all these people in the world. And he picks out certain ones and says, sheep. Sheep. And it's only a few. And the goats are over here. And he doesn't want any of them. They don't belong to him, just like the Pharisees don't belong to him. He told the Pharisees, you won't believe, you don't belong to me. Go. He might as well have said, go away. But they were jealous. So he says, now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. Remember the gospel is true baptism and the gospel is prepare you the way. The narrow way. And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. Boy, those two words go together. Absolutely go together. Revelation of the mystery. Revelation apocalypsis. Apo, off with. Calypto is the word cover. The mystery, there's two mysteries in the Bible. The mystery of Christ. Mystery of Christ. And it says here, the mystery... What does he say there? The mystery, the revelation of the mystery. Taking the cover off of the mystery. But who does he take the cover off? You got the mystery of Christ and you got the mystery of iniquity. These are the two mysteries. It's really funny because these equate to they equate to nomos 
and animos. Animos is the word iniquity. The mystery of iniquity is anomia. A-N-O-M-I-A is the word iniquity. And this is the animos of iniquity. And nomos is the Greek word law. And anomos means no law. Or nomos means legal food. Prescribed food. It's prescribed by God. Legal prescribed food. Let me put prescribed up there. So what the sheep eat is the law. All the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love agape, thy neighbor as thyself. And agape is walking in the commandments of God, Second John 6. Notice how all this stuff just clicks together. Second John 6, not seven, not second Christ. Second John 6. And anomia is iniquity. You've got a mystery of Christ and a mystery of iniquity. And the mystery that's going to be revealed that he's talking about here is to his elect. He reveals himself over there in Luke 10 to whomsoever he wills. Whoever God wants to reveal himself to, which is his elect family, elect, eclectos. Elect, eclectos means to favor. People say, God won't favor anybody. Yes, he will. The word grace means unmerited favor. Election means favor. Gosh, I, I can't get through all this stuff. And look at Second Timothy. Yeah, but that, I keep saying it goes on to say which is kept secret since the world. It was kept secret, but the mystery of Christ in Revelation ten and seven, when the seventh of the last trumpet sounds, the mystery of God is finished. Teleos. The mystery of God. What that is saying, T L E I O S. The mystery is finished, complete. Revelation 10 and 7. 10 and 7. The mystery of Christ, which is the church to whomsoever he will reveal himself, it's complete at the signing of the last trump, and our bodies are going to be changed then. There's no pre-trib rapture. And then he says here in Second Timothy one and nine. Second Timothy one and nine. I'll just give you two more of these and I'll quit. Second Timothy one and verse nine. Speaking of Christ, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before 
the world began. I don't know how people can get around all these verses, much less Romans eight twenty nine and 30 in the ninth chapter of Romans in the first chapter of Ephesians about predestination. And look over here in Titus 1 and 2, right after 2 Timothy. Titus. You really need all these verses you can get. Titus 1. We'll read verse 1 and 2. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of truth, which is after godliness in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. But he only promised, the word promise is the word epangelo, E-P, A-G-G, E-L-O. A promise. This means to superimpose the message of God. That word angelo is the word angel. It means messenger. It means a message goes to a particular person. And epangelo means to announce upon certain people. It comes from epangelima which means self-committed to another person, to confer upon a person by a stronger party. I'm out of time. I hope these, before the world began and from the beginning, will strengthen you. I hope you you get serious about some of those verses that I... A lot of times people say, I don't know what to say to people. Memorize those verses and the Greek words that go with about five of those verses. You don't have to memorize all of them, but just memorize three of them, two of them, and then three, and then four, and then five. And uh, anyway, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'll come back to demons next week. We have to know that This was all in Christ from the beginning. Father, thank you for the truth. Help us in everything we're doing. Fight our enemies for us. I've got so many. I don't know how to do this, Lord. You fight them for me. Stop them from hurting this ministry. Lead us to your elect family. In Christ's name we pray, man. I hope that'll help you before the world began, from the beginning. Oh. <laughs> Glad to see you here. Hold on, let me give you something for them. I'm gonna give you some gum to give to him. What'd you give me, Jim? Huh? What'd you give me? She's short enough. You can consider her a kid. <laughs> What'd you give me? You want some gum? You want some gum? The 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 beginning and the foundation of the world always. It's amazing how many times it's in there. I remember like.
Scott and I questioning the Baptist preacher about that, the foundation of really? the world. Yes. And he kept just saying, in Christ. But it's in Christ. And we were like, what does that mean? Well, he didn't want to admit that yeah. predestination is true. Yeah. And the book of the... Here, the take names, these. The name being just, written in the book of yeah, from the foundation of the world. We were his. Thank you, Jim. All right. How you doing? We were his from the beginning. <laughs> and he didn't want to talk about because he, like, because he is an ignorant man. Yeah, he didn't want to talk about the book. He doesn't even know the independent Baptists were founded on this doctrine. Yeah. And I remember that Scott asked him about how the name, if your name's written in the book and it's there eternally, then what's the book? Of what's the book that gets the name stricken from it? And he had no idea. He couldn't explain that. Well, he don't know. Yeah. I think you got four left in there, don't you? Yeah, you want to do a whole thing? Yeah. 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 You can't believe in those independent Baptist churches my father pastor. That was like the curse to me. I guess, how can I do this? I want to do it, and I don't know how to do it because I've already done it. Not that you're going out or anything. But it's just, it's so frustrating to want to do something that you've already done, and you don't even know you've already done it. You know? It's. My father frustrated me. And I've told Mary I wish he was back so I could tell him. But he was so impossible to talk to. He, he didn't know what to do. The only time he heard me really preach this was at Eric's marriage. So you listened to it, didn't you? Say, huh? Did he ask a question about he, he just walked up to me and got real quiet. He said, Jimmy, I, I've never heard that before. And I have to copy your notes, and most of it was in my head. Yeah. And my father was a hard, hard man. He just was impossible. You wouldn't have liked him. Most people didn't. He was a one of those flashy personalities. Come in saying big shot things and bragging. And Narcissist. Only businessmen got along with him that liked to do the same thing. Yeah. Those old, old gospel singers that liked to promote themselves. Your dad's really something great. Boy, he's really... Pack the house. He could really pack the house. He was a con man just like them. Yeah. He was just like J.D. Sumner. He was a con artist. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't handle it. 
going to say, well, we already see those things before the foundation from the beginning. And I thought it was, they were common verses that everybody understood. We'll see you later. I love you guys. I love you, Mike. Okay, let's Mike. I love you guys. I really do. I don't think y'all know how much. I love the people here that love the I really do. I, people can't understand this. I tell people, when I'm away from you, I don't know that to say good things first. I don't got Sunday morning to say the best things. Yeah, Sunday morning. I've brought on my get you some Sunday morning. Are you not today? Because I really we can tell you which ones are good. That's true. I live yes. so long without it's a, a couple handfuls. Yes. If it works in the hockey table, it's good. It's like one of those little. Mm-hmm. At least you have someone around you could feel bad for them to send her out there. And you got nobody yeah. around. Yeah, there's people in California that call me and they call me from Arkansas and Texas and say, I don't know what to do. I don't have anybody here with me. Mm-hmm. They're just really sad. It's like that for us when we're not here. That's the way it is out there. I know. That's the way the whole world is. And when we get together, it's like, I tell people that's coming here for the picnic from New York or something, I say, when you get here, or maybe they're coming from Virginia, I say, you can bring, you can talk predestination for Christmas pagan to everybody at the church, and you ain't going to get an argument. Yeah. They're all going to say, that's right, come on in, sit down. 